during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and God's kingdom will stand forever. Welcome to the end. In 1952, Florence Chadwick stepped into the Pacific Ocean waters because she was going to swim from the coast of California to Catalina Island that was just off it. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. She was like a fish. She loved swimming. But on this particular day as she was swimming, a thick, heavy fog settled over her during her swim. At this time when the fog settled, she'd already be swimming for 15 hours. And she pressed on for one more hour, but eventually she was so physically and emotionally exhausted by having this fog around her that she put her hand up and she pulled out of the race and a boat that was following with her picked her up out of the water. It was as she was sitting on the boat that she discovered the awful truth. She was just 800 meters away from the shoreline. Isn't that amazing? Later, she said at a news conference, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. And to a world that is struggling to see hope beyond the fog of the present, Jesus spoke these wonderful words in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. He said, he told us of a shoreline of hope. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is coming back, he says, and he's going to come back and take his friends to be with him where he is. So question, where is Jesus now? Well, Philippians 3.20 says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells us that Jesus is in heaven and he's coming back to take us there too. This is the happily ever after ending that Jesus has promised to his friends. But wait a minute. What is heaven? Is heaven a place where disembodied spirits roam and sit on clouds and strum harps for the ceaseless ages of eternity? Or will we actually like it? Sometimes I think we look at medieval paintings of heaven and think hell looks more interesting, but that's definitely not true. As we embark on this study tonight, I want you to remember two key truths. From key truth number one, we get from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Heaven isn't God's idea. Heaven is God's promise and He doesn't lie. Heaven's not a matter of speculation. According to the Bible, heaven is a matter of fact. That's key truth number one. Key truth number two we get from Revelation 21 verse 1. There the Bible says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was something wrong with the first heaven and the first earth. That version was corrupted by the virus of sin. And so the Bible tells us after Jesus comes again and after he takes his friends to be with him for a thousand years in heaven, which Lyle 
Daniel has already told us about. The Bible says that the holy city of God will descend onto this planet. And after this planet has been purified by the fire, by fire from sin, guess what? God is going to create a new heaven. Now, what does that mean? He's going to create a new atmosphere around the earth and a new earth making this very earth what it would have been had the pandemic of sin never happened. Wow, this is incredible. God is going to give this planet a complete makeover, if you will. And if we are with Jesus, we're going to get to watch him do it. Think about it. This new earth will be like the Garden of Eden, restored and even better. The Bible goes from Eden lost in Genesis right through to Revelation where we find it is Eden restored. This earth, so devastated by sin, will be recreated by God into its pre-sin pandemic splendor all over again. We'll get to live the Eden life. Love and peace will be in this world. And you know what? Down through time, this has been the great hope for the friends of Jesus. They have looked forward to this time when the day when the sad, sorry saga of sin would be over and when the heartache of this life would be forever erased. Notice with me that Abraham, he looked forward to this day. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, the Bible tells us that he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I don't know about you, but I want to see the city that God made. I'm not really a city person, actually. I much prefer quieter places. But of all the cities I've been to, probably my favorite would be the city of Prague. They call it the city of a hundred spires. In every direction, if you've ever been to Prague or if you would like to go, in every direction, there is something that catches your attention, something to take a photo of. But guess what? God's city is going to make Prague look ugly. The Bible tells us this world is not our home. This world where pandemics break out and economies crumble. This world where famines threaten and promises are broken. This world where children die and husbands and wives have to say goodbye because of cancer and because their lives are ripped apart by car accidents. This world is not our final home, the Bible tells us. And as much as I love to call Australia home, Deep in my heart, I just can't feel at home in this place because this is a world where young people destroy themselves with drugs. This is a world where death at times looks better than life. The Bible says this world is not our final home. God promises to us something that is so much better than anything that this world has to offer. And today God wants you to know that there is a better world coming. You were created for something better than this world has to offer. Something better than death. Something better than disease and depression and divorce and discouragement. God has something better. And whenever I travel to a new country, I like to get to know the place a little bit before I get there. And friends, if Jesus says that we're going to spend an eternity with him in his home, then I think you and I ought to think about it now. God gave the Apostle John 
a sneak preview of this better world to come. Envisioned while he was on the lonely island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, this is what he saw in vision. Revelation 21 verse 2 tells us, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And you say, hang on a minute, Sharissa, just put the pause button on right here. Do you really mean to tell me that you think a city is going to come down from the sky, like out of the sky? Well, hey, if man can put a space city in space, God can bring down the holy city from heaven. When John saw the holy city of God in vision coming down, he said it was so amazing. He said it reminded him of a bride adorned and prepared for her wedding day. It was breathtaking, beautiful, stunning. Verse 3 of chapter 21 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. This planet Once in rebellion, God is going to remake this planet and this will be his dwelling place. This is the announcement that John hears from heaven. This world has nothing to offer you and I. The Bible says that God is offering to you and to me his heart and his home. So don't throw away this incredible inheritance that God is offering to you. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, That's a biblical reference for the day when Jesus is going to sit down at a table with us in heaven. Jesus will be looking down that table for you. God will be disappointed if you're not there. This, There's a place in his heart that is just for you and only you. It's one thing to miss the train, but it's another thing to miss heaven. I don't want to miss out on heaven. I don't want to disappoint the heart of Jesus. And so today I urge you, surrender your life to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to be with you where you are. I wish John had a camera to capture the holy city descending when he saw it in vision because his words paint for us incredible pictures. Listen to this. Revelation 21 verses 12 and 13 says, Also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Mark that. We'll come back to it. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south and three gates on the west. Why are the three gates on each point of the compass mentioned by John? This number three symbolizes the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I just love this. Because get this, on the east side, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit say, come in to the holy city. On the west side, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit say, come in. On the north and on the south, God says, come in. He opens the gates of heaven wide for you. And what about the names of the 12 tribes that are mentioned here? Well, who were the 12 tribes of Israel? If you look back in your Bible and read their history in the book of Genesis, you'll find they were people like Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and so on. And you know what? If you and I were to try them in a court of law today, they would be convicted of some serious crimes like robbery, theft, adultery, and even murder. 
the crimes that these men committed could be, could lock them up for life. But the Bible tells us that their names are on the gates of the city of God to testify to you and to me that anyone who accepts the grace of God in their lives can walk through those pearly gates into the home that God has prepared for them. Revelation 21 verse 14 goes on. It says, Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Question. Who were the 12 apostles? You might know some of these. But of course, there were James and John. They were also called the sons of thunder because they had terrific tempers. There was Peter, and he denied Jesus. You can read about it. Thomas, he refused to believe in him straight away. We call him Doubting Thomas. And yet, the Bible tells us that the apostles, with all of their faults and all of their failures, their names are written on the foundation of the holy city because God is saying to you and he is saying to me that if they can make it, so can you. So can we. By God's grace, we can enter through the gates into the holy city if only you and I will surrender our lives to Jesus. God's goal is not to keep people out. God's goal is to get as many people in to the holy city as possible. Listen to this, verse 16 of Revelation 21. The city John saw, he says, it is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. It's a perfect square. And the Bible says it's 12,000 furlongs. We don't use furlongs, but that's equivalent to 2,200 kilometers or at least 550 kilometers each side. You say, okay, it's very specific, but listen to this. According to one mathematician, the New Jerusalem could house 2 billion people just on the ground floor. And if we are talking about magnificent, multi-story buildings, which I'm sure God is able to do and, and outdo us here, the possibilities are endless. What's God's point? God's point is this. There is room in the holy city for you. You might look at yourself right now and you say, I don't know how I could ever be saved. I don't know how I could ever enter into that holy city that you're talking about. But friend, when you look at Jesus, you just cannot see how you can be lost because he is such a wonderful savior. Jesus will get you in to the holy city if you will surrender your life to him today. God is saying, whoever you are, Wherever you have been, you can make it through the gates of the holy city. Whatever you have done in your life, God says, I can forgive you. If he can recreate this world damaged and marred by sin, don't you think that God can transform your life if you will give it to him? You see, the holy city... God's capital is something we mustn't want, we must miss. It's unlike any city you can ever imagine. Revelation 21 verse 18 goes on. The construction of its walls was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The city, God's city, 
It sits on a foundation of 12 types of precious stones, the Bible even tells us in this chapter. And every color of the rainbow is represented in the foundations of those stones, which means I believe that from a distance, it must look like the holy city is just resting on a rainbow. Isn't that beautiful? must be spectacular. Verse 21 of chapter 21 says that the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. 12 gates, each made of a single pearl. That's incredible. And you know what? The Bible tells us that Jesus is called the pearl of great price. Jesus will swing open the pearly gates for you. He's going to swing open the pearly gates of the holy city for us. And you and I right now, we can only imagine what this is going to be like. In the 1920s, Howard Carter stumbled upon the find of his life, the tomb of Tutankhamun. When he opened the tomb, at first he could see nothing, but as his eyes gradually began to adjust to the surroundings and the flickering light that he had in that place, soon the details of the room came into sharper focus. And this is what he later said he saw. He said he saw strange animals, statues and gold, everywhere the glint of gold. When Carter saw it, he was left speechless. This was the most incredible sight of his life. And his excavating team, who were waiting for him to say if he could see anything, they asked him, well, can you see anything? And all he could say was this, yes, wonderful things. In that tomb, which he discovered, King Tut was buried in a nest of seven coffins, all overlaid with pure gold. And the modern world had never seen treasures like this ever before. But guess what? Tut's tomb has nothing on heaven. The Bible tells us that God will pave his streets with gold. In Revelation 22 verse 1, the Bible says that he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This river that's in heaven, it's no dirty dirge of dingy water. No, the Bible says it's pure, it's clean, and it's pollution-free. Well, what kind of bodies will we have in heaven, in the new earth? Notice again Philippians 3, verse 20. It's the first verse we looked at, but I'll add 21 as well. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. When Jesus rose from the dead, he had a glorious body. Was he recognizable? Yes, Mary recognized him. The disciples recognized him. And from the encounters that Jesus had with people, we can determine a couple of things. We know that in heaven we're going to recognize one another. How? Well, through our unique mannerisms, our voices, our individual personalities, and also through our physical attributes or features. And so, friends, heaven, the Bible is telling us, it's a real place for real people. In fact, Isaiah chapter 33 verse 24 says, And the inhabitant will not say, I am sick. The people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquity. No more cancer. 
No more COVID-19. No more disease. Heaven will be a healthy, vibrant home. And we're going to like what we see in the mirror. Isaiah 35 verses 5 and 6 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Think of it. No more glasses. No more wheelchairs. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. And for many, the very first voice they hear will be the sweet voice of Jesus. For many, the very first face they see will be the face of Jesus himself. This side of heaven, we suffer. Sometimes for years or a lifetime. But let's think about a trillion years because when we see the shoreline of heaven, we can remember that there is a better world coming, a happily ever after. God has a better world for you. Let's not throw it away. Never forget that Jesus is making a new earth and a new heaven just for you. What will we do in heaven? Ah, heaven's a real place for real people who are going to do real things. Check this out. Isaiah 65 verse 21. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. You won't have to worry about rent or rates in heaven. Heaven isn't a holiday destination either. It will be home, the Bible tells us. You'll be able to build your dream home in the country and then you'll have a city home in the city designed by Jesus, especially for you. And we're talking about the holy city. What a day that will be. We'll be able to explore worlds afar And the Bible says in Revelation 22, verse 2, In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Guess what? We're going to eat from the tree of life. That tree brings unending life and youth to those who eat from it. And if you think a Queensland mango is something special, just wait until God gives you a mango the size of a a beach ball from the tree of life. We're going to grow up into what we would have been had this world never infected us with sin. And if you think your spouse looks good now, just imagine what they're going to look like when Jesus comes and makes us all over new. By the way, in Revelation 22.2, where it talks about the healing of the nations, you say, hang on a minute, I thought you said there's no sickness in heaven. And you're right. This healing is not a healing of sickness, but rather a healing from division. You see, race will not divide us in heaven, nor hatred ever unite us. There'll be no more broken homes. Heaven will be a happy home, the happy home that you've always wanted. The Bible even says that there'll be no more sea there. Why? Don't worry, surface. There'll be waves that you'll be able to surf. There's still water there. But listen to this. When John was writing, he was exiled, remember, on the lonely island of Patmos. And he was separated from everyone and everything that he loved by the sea. And God shows to him that in heaven, there'll be no more seas of separation. Heaven will be an eternal family reunion. Ah, just can't wait. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says this. God will wipe away, not just some, 
every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. The pain of the past will be forgotten. Death will be a thing of the past. And loved ones that have been torn apart by death in this life will never part again. Isaiah 11 verse 9 says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We won't need to lock our doors in heaven. We'll worship Jesus and our hearts will be filled with joy and peace as we recognize that the one who knows us best, he knows everything about us, he knows us best, he loves us most. Heaven will be so peaceful, the Bible says, that even the animals will be at peace. Isaiah 65 verse 25 says this, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Heaven's going to be so safe. Parents are going to be telling their children to go out and play on the streets. We'll never get tired. There's no night there, the Bible tells us. Heaven will be a place of eternal friendship as well. This is amazing. Just listen to this. Matthew chapter 8 verse 11 says, And I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Think about that for just a moment. We're going to be able to sit down with the friends of Jesus from all the ages and talk with them. I mean, it's hard to put your mind around this, but just try to imagine with me for a moment. At least I'll tell you how I imagine it. I'm walking down the golden streets of heaven and I see a man and I greet him and I say, Hi, isn't it a great day in eternity? And he looks at me and he smiles and he says, Yes, it is. And I say to him, My name's Sharissa. What's your name? And he says to me, Daniel, you mean Daniel from the Bible? He says, yes, that's that's me. And wow, I got so many questions I'd like to ask Daniel. I ask him, what was it like when you spent a night in the lion's den? And he will tell me his testimony of how in spite of how he was feeling, he trusted God. And in that lion's den, God was with him and gave him hope and courage to keep pressing on. Won't that be amazing? Friends, I don't want to miss out on these kind of conversations for anything. There are so many people I want to meet when I get to heaven, but the one that I want to meet the most would have to be Jesus. You know, someone once said, heaven without my Savior would be no heaven to me. Dim were the walls of Jasper and rayless the crystal sea. But Revelation 22 verse 4 tells us this, they shall see his face. Imagine the first Sabbath in heaven. You know, the Bible tells us we'll be keeping Sabbath in heaven. Isaiah 66 verse 23 says, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And hey, if we're going to be worshiping Jesus together up there, it makes sense for us to get into the solid practice of it down here. Imagine hearing a Sabbath sermon from Jesus. What would he say? I imagine he'll tell us how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, and that he died for us. 
he'll probably tell us how for millenniums he has been looking forward to this moment when we would be with him forever. And I tell you what, as you and I sit and listen to Jesus deliver this Sabbath sermon, we will have never felt so loved and accepted and valued in all of our lives. It's just going to be the most amazing thing. And when we leave that church, I imagine that at some point, as I walk out, Jesus is going to tap me on the shoulder and he's going to say, Sharissa, let's go for a walk together. And you know what? I believe all of us are going to have that special walk with Jesus in eternity. God, in eternity, he has all the time in the world for you. And in my imagination, as I walk with Jesus, we see magnificent things that he has created. We see magnificent flowers and, and he points them out to me. And he says, Sharissa, do you see this? I made this just for you. And then as we're walking, we see a field of pineapples, so big, so amazing. You've never seen a pineapple like this before. I'm using pineapples because I love pineapples. But Jesus is going to pick a pineapple for me and he's going to hand it to me and he's going to say, Sharissa, taste this. I made your taste buds. I know what you like. I made this one just for you. And as we walk and talk, he continues to show me the beauties of heaven that he has made just for me. And then he stops and he'll look at me and he'll say something like this. Is there anything else I can do for you to make you feel happy, to make you feel at home here? And it's then that I will bow down and with tears streaming down my cheeks, I will say, Lord, I love and appreciate everything that you have made for me. But I just want you. All I want is you. If I have you, I have all that I need. All I want to do is worship you. Right now, you can say to Jesus, Lord, I choose you. I don't want to miss out on eternity with you. The happily ever after that we've lost faith in today, the Bible tells us it is real. It exists. And I don't know about you, but right now, as I think about this world and I think about the world that God has promised to us, I feel homesick for heaven. First Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We have tried now to try and catch a glimpse in our imaginations of this incredible home that the Bible tells us about. But even then, the word of God says our senses haven't beheld anything as beautiful as heaven. God has given us just a glimpse of heaven's shoreline. But there is so much more. Heaven is real. And God is preparing heaven for you. If you're not there, if you're missing, it just won't be the same without you. It's not a default destination as many people think. Heaven is not a default destination. There is only one way to get to heaven, and it's not by claim. You must choose to accept God's invitation to you to join him there. Wherever you are watching this right now, God is calling you. He's giving you an invitation to, call, to join him there. There might be some sin in your life that you've been struggling with, and it's been keeping you from making a full surrender of your life to Jesus. Today, right now, you can come to Jesus and let him deal with that. If you've decided to follow Jesus in baptism, 
Today, you can step forward and say, I want to be fully committed to Jesus because I don't want to miss an eternity with Him. And maybe if you have drifted from Jesus today, you can choose to come back to Him. I want to pray with you. Our loving Father in Heaven, thank You for showing us just a glimpse of Heaven's shoreline. May this promise of a better world to come keep us looking to Jesus day by day so that one day soon when you come, we will be ready not only to meet you, but to go with you to your home and it will feel like home when we get there. We love you so much and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to The End. For more information about this program or any of this show's free offers, visit www.theend.digital.